The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. From the pinnacle of the media landscape, this is Market Edge. Join your host, Larry Weber, as he discovers the answers from analysts, entrepreneurs, and technologists who are preparing the blueprints for the future of marketing. Hear from those who are taking us to a new age of social media, e-communities, and the blogosphere. Blogosphere. Now, please welcome your host of Market Edge, Larry Weber. Hi, and welcome to Market Edge. I'm your host, Larry Weber, chairman of W2 Group, a global marketing services ecosystem organized to help chief marketing officers in their new role as builders of communities and content aggregators. Two of W2 Group companies, Digital Influence Group and RacePoint Group, are leaders in social media marketing in both paid and unpaid media. Today, we'll be talking about a variety of things around the social enterprise with Professor Andrew McAfee, a principal research scientist at the Center for Digital Business at the MIT Sloan School of Management and author of Enterprise 2.0, New Collaborative Tools for Your Organization's Toughest Challenges. Andrew coined the phrase Enterprise 2.0 in a groundbreaking Sloan Management Review article in the spring of 2006 to describe the use of Web 2.0 tools and approaches by businesses. The blog he created at the time is widely read and has become one of the most popular in the world, according to Technorati. In addition to his main blog, Andrew also writes a blog as part of HarvardBusiness.org's HBR Voices. Andrew's posts are regularly reprinted at Forbes.com, and he has contributed columns for the Washington Post, the Financial Times, and been a guest on the Charlie Rose Show. Boy, I'm in great company, huh, Andrew? Named under number 38 in a 2008 list of the 100 most influential people in IT, Andrew received his doctorate from Harvard Business School and completed two Master of Science and two Bachelor of Science degrees at MIT. It's great to have you on Market Edge, Andrew. Thanks for having me here. I really appreciate it. Hey, just to... to you know, let our audience know. Tell us just a bit about what Andrew does uh, every day as a principal research scientist at the Center for Digital Business at MIT Sloan School of Management, and what research are you currently working on? So we sit around at the Center for Digital Business and try to understand and um, assess the impact that all this technology is having on businesses, on the way they organize themselves, on the way they perform, on the way they compete, and how technology is really changing the landscape of business and of competition. And what I'm working on these days is that research, and in particular, I am writing a book on the topic. I think that the, the impact of technology on the business world is one of the most important business stories of the past 20 years and one of the most underappreciated and and least widely known ones. So here we work on addressing that lack, basically. Hey, you know, one of the things that um, I was just talking with, uh, for full disclosure, one of our clients, IBM, 
And, you know, I've also been around, started in the technology marketing business probably just over 30 years ago. And when I started, there seemed to be a real elegance around IT and an understanding that IT could really have huge impact on the performance of a business, on competitive advantage. There seemed to be innovation and creativity. And even though there seems to be a lot more happening with technology now, for some reason, I perceive it as less strategic to the corporation. Am I missing something? No, and in fact, 30 years ago, you were around at the during a really interesting chapter in business history when we first started to appreciate how powerful computers could be. And like you say, uh, there was a very um, intense dialogue between the technologists and the vendors and the IT department and the CEO's office, basically, about how big a deal technology was going to be. My interpretation of that story was that the technologists kind of oversold what they could do and what their tools could do. And there's some pretty re uh, fascinating business history written about that period where the systems men, is what they were called back in that era, really had the ear of the corner office and then couldn't really follow through on their performances because they were promising things like, you're going to be able to coordinate and control your entire enterprise. We're going to help you scale. We're going to help you very tightly orchestrate everything that you're doing in this great big company. And honestly, the tools just weren't up to that task yet. What's really interesting is now, and especially in the era of the internet and these big commercial enterprise systems, we can actually follow through on the promises that previous generations of technologists made. And it's showing up in the data that technology actually is helping companies achieve all these goals, and the companies that are doing well at it are pulling away from the laggards. And we're seeing performance gaps open up. We're seeing competition get nastier. So the way I look at it is we are finally able to keep the promises that, that we technologists made one and two generations ago to our colleagues on the business side. You know, this will sound like a sort of simpler or maybe naive question, but I'm constantly thinking about uh, the way data has changed. And we had a, a, a person named Dan Neely who runs a, a company called Network Solutions on uh, the other day, and he was talking about in the next 24 months alone the data available uh, uh, on the web is going to double. So <laughs> everything up to now and two years it doubles, and that the job of the the corporation is going to be to really analyze data in real time and use those analytics to change you know content to change strategies to yep. to you know develop new products in almost a real time how can companies achieve that or is it going to be just too difficult andrew <laughs> They can achieve it in a technical sense. And, and one of the amazing things to me is that, let's say your colleague is right, and the web is going to double in size over the next 24 months. We are also going to be able to stay on top of that flood of data in a purely technical sense. The, the computers are getting faster. We can analyze that data. We can store it. And we're basically keeping pace in a purely technical sense with that explosion of data. Now, the interesting question is, can we actually more the way we think about data? Can we change the way that we think about strategy and the way that we make important decisions as an organization to become a lot more data-driven, a lot more analytical, and to take advantage of that flood as opposed to ignoring it or as opposed to letting it wash over us? We're seeing a real difference in how 
analytically oriented companies are. And I think we're going to observe also that the more analytically oriented ones are going to become the more successful ones. Talk to us a little bit about this idea of the social media age. Are we looking at, quote, social technologies? Are we looking at a fundamentally just different dynamic in the day-to-day lives of not just people, but people in businesses due to the rise of, of, of social media and social marketing? And, and is it a category or is it more omnipresent? I, I don't know whether it's more of a category or more of a fact of life, but I do agree that if, an, if a company wants to change its uh, its culture and its DNA, in a sense, by becoming a lot more open and transparent and social, it has that opportunity now. And one of the reasons I wrote the book Enterprise 2.0 was to describe why they might want to take advantage of that opportunity, because a lot of executives look at the prospect of opening up the company's technology environments, letting everyone have a voice, making it more kind of a free-for-all like they see out there on the web, and that's kind of a frightening prospect. And what's the value? What's the allure of doing that? After all, we're not in the business of empowering people. We're in the business of turning out good offerings and, and making money out there in the marketplace. So a lot of pragmatic executives say, look, I only want to do this if it's going to help my business out. And And the reason I wrote the book is I'm pretty firmly convinced that it does help your business out. The best quote I ever heard to summarize the problem that we can address comes from Lou Platt, former CEO of Hewlett-Packard, who said, if only HP knew what HP knows, we would be three times more productive. And that just nails the problem that we can address with all of these 2.0 tools, all these social problems, all these social uh, technologies, because what they do when they're working well is they help the organization know what it knows. They locate knowledge. They locate expertise. They harness collective intelligence. They let you tap into the wisdom of crowds. And and when they're again when they're working well, you really do have an organization that's a lot more intelligent and a lot more self-aware. So if Lou Platt's quote is anywhere near accurate, and I think it is, we have a huge opportunity to improve the way that our companies work and to become more productive, more agile, more responsive, while at the same time uh, giving people the voice and letting uh, letting letting things open up and giving people more of a say in in what's going on so it tends to make the people feel good and it tends to deliver good business results hey in the 4 years now since uh, you know you're you're really breakthrough and and an amazing work enterprise 2.0 have you seen a change in web 2.0 tools i mean are we uh, at the uh, proverbial web 3.0 now you know and how have they changed over the past few years have they become more collaborative or more data driven uh, some thoughts andrew They've become all the above. We, we have found a lot more different varieties of collaborative tool. We've also seen follow-on technologies that let you harvest the huge amounts of data, of unstructured data that come out of Web 2.0 and Enterprise 2 environments and, and help you make sense of them, help you analyze the social graph or feed that into your business decision-making processes. One other really neat trend that I've noticed is that we the, the smart technologists out there continue to make tools that 
that delight people, that scratch some itch that a lot of cases we didn't even know that we had. So when I started doing my research, Twitter didn't even exist yet. And when I first heard about it, I thought, what? You know, a 140-character maximum thing that you broadcast out into the ether? And now it's hard for me to imagine not having that tool around. So we continue to see huge amounts of innovation and entrepreneurship out there and smart technologists rolling out tools that let us interact with each other in very kind of free-form, really interesting ways and scratch itches that we didn't know that we had. I don't think we're done with that innovation. I don't know what the next great one is, but I think there's a lot left in the tank there. There's a lot of conversation, at least uh I was being interviewed uh, yesterday on Facebook's announcement about new sort of local, uh, you know, presence kind of technology and and Square One and Looped. Uh, any thoughts? Is this is this a trend or a fad, or is this a, a less important uh, than a Twitter, or is it even more important than a Twitter? I think it's going to be a big deal. This combination of of mobile devices and location-based services, it's hard for me to see how that's not going to be a big deal. And we're getting some early indications with things like Foursquare and a lot of the services that you talk about with Facebook and and Google Maps. All these things are going to kind of mush together in some interesting ways so that marketers can give me um, deals that that are attractive to me as I'm walking around if I want that to happen. My friends can find me more easily, we can form, we can decide where to go on the fly if we're out for an evening. All these things are already taking place to some extent. I think we're going to turbocharge it because a lot of, again, very smart, very innovative people have realized that this is an itch that we want to have scratched, and they're going to help us do that. Hey, before we take our our short break, Andrew McAfee, how about naming, just for our audience's sake, a few companies that you would cite either from your research or from your work or even just from your casual observation that you think are really trying and being effective in using uh, Enterprise 2.0 tools successfully? So the biggest surprise that I had when I was writing my book was looking around the United States intelligence community, which is the group of 16 federal agencies that has some intelligence and analysis responsibility. It's this alphabet soup, CIA, FBI, DIA, um, ONI, all these agencies. And in the wake of 9-11, it just became incredibly clear that while there are these pockets of alarm and insight throughout the community, the community as a whole was not able to connect the dots among all the available pieces of intelligence and perceive the threat that they were facing. In the wake of 9-11, one of the things that the commission recommended that was acted on was deploying a new set of technologies that were more explicitly about connecting the dots. So they rolled out a really nice suite of 2.0 technologies that go throughout the community so that if I'm blogging inside the CIA and you're working inside the DIA, you can read my blog and comment it and find it via the searching that you do. So a pretty nice suite of technologies and it has that these tools have received some decent take up inside the community. It gives me some hope, not just that we're going to do a better job of of, uh, holding of, of taking care of the threats that face the country, but that even really traditional, very mainstream organizations, even large old bureaucratic ones, if they want to, can embrace the new tools and the new approaches to collaboration. And would these would they be using stuff as simple as wikis and sort of simple collaborative platforms? You know that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Absolutely. They rolled out a single instance of a wiki that they call Intellipedia. They rolled out an integrated blogging platform. They have equivalents of social networking software like a, like a Facebook equivalent. They have a microblogging tool similar to a Twitter. So what they're trying to do is take what they see working out there on the web and bring the same technologies and the same philosophies to bear inside this community of about 200,000 people at the top secret level. Wow. We're going to take a short commercial break. Please stand by, and we'll be right back with Andrew McAfee and more of this fascinating conversation on Market Edge. Market Edge will continue in just a moment. What is this? Why is my website not ranking higher? Sounds like you could use a link-building report from SEOfox.com. What's that? You can't rank without good backlinks. And SEOfox.com's link building report lets you enter domains and compare their backlinks. It gives a detailed report that shows you why each domain ranks where it does, and it reduces the time it takes to find more links. With SEOfox.com's link building report, you can find more links, use their search marketing services to find more links, or better yet, they could even build your own backlinks. So you think you're pretty sly with that SEOfox link building report. <laughs> sly like a fox. Get your link building report today at seofox.com. That's seofox.com. Looking for an affiliate network that can package every solution an advertiser or publisher needs in one account? Your one-stop source for full-service solutions is admedia.com. AdMedia delivers an incredible lineup of specialized XML feeds for local, social, and search, plus the advertising arsenal of PPC, SEM, contextual, display, and more. AdMedia gives your campaign real visibility, from emailers to domain redirects. AdMedia tailors your all-in-one campaign to give your account a real advantage. AdMedia.com delivers cost-effective ad solutions with real conversions. Learn everything AdMedia can do for you today. Sign up at AdMedia.com. AdMedia, strong ROI made simple. Are you happy with your landing page performance? Discover how to improve your landing page performance with ConversionCritic.com. Brought to you by Engine Ready. Turn your underperforming landing pages into cost-effective sales-producing machines. Be sure you're not wasting your precious PPC budget. Conversion Critic tools give you the ingredients to create high converting landing pages. You don't have to be an expert to use Engine Ready's Conversion Critic tools, but you'll feel like a landing page pro. Take the guesswork out of increasing your conversion rate. Visit conversioncritic.com and boost your conversion rate for free. That's www.conversioncritic.com. CEO Coach. Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Culture and Business Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. From the pinnacle of the marketing landscape, we now return to Market Edge. Once again, here's your host, Larry Weber. Welcome back to Market Edge. This is your host, Larry Weber, and I'm here today with Andrew McAfee, a principal research scientist at the Center for Digital Business in the MIT Sloan School of Management and author of Enterprise 2.0. And we're talking about a wide variety of, uh, of digital issues. Andrew, uh, slightly different tact here. Um, so I'm a 40-something new CEO of a pretty big company in the United States. And I read your book and loved it. I can't wait to read Andrew McAfee's new book. But I'm having trouble getting started creating what is best described 
described as the social enterprise. So I believe that there's there's a, a renaissance in business about to happen if we use these new tools, platforms, a social point of view, and it's going to impact every category of my business. But I look around and I don't see a consulting firm that really understands this. I don't see a marketing services firm that quite gets this. I see a few academics that get this. But where do I start? Help me, Andrew McAfee. I'm a a, a brand new CEO and I want to succeed in the next 25 years. So I always fall back on a great quote from the inventor of Wiki technology, who's a guy named Ward Cunningham, and his mantra was always, what's the simplest thing that could possibly work? And I find that incredibly helpful because too often we have the tendency to complexify things and strategize too much about them and and, and worry ourselves to death and try to get it exactly right. So when I think about the simplest thing that could possibly work for Enterprise 2.0, I think about three things. That, that knowledge workers really want to do and the three needs that we can address. The first is to, um, to narrate their work, to broadcast what they're working on. And too, uh, too often or up until now, what we've done is worked in isolation, maybe involving a very small number of colleagues, and then when we think our work is done, when the report's ready, when the spreadsheet's finally ready, then we share it with the world. And with that that forecloses the possibility that people can benefit from our work while it's still in progress or that we can get some help from people while our work is going on. So the first thing I'd encourage this CEO to do is roll out tools that make it easy for people to talk about what they're working on, what they're learning, some great thing they just came across, and just throw out little tidbits of of work in progress as they're going. The second thing, which is almost the converse of the first, is a technology that lets people broadcast not their expertise, but their ignorance. In other words, to ask a question to their colleagues at large without having to guess in advance who's the best person to answer that question and to let them throw out their questions so that the rest of their colleagues can be helpful to them as they're going through their work. And then the third thing is to wrap that all up with some 2.0 flavored search technology so that, like the web has taught us, just to go to a white box and start typing a few words, hit enter, and get what we're looking for back very quickly, we want to be able to do that same thing behind the firewall as well. So for me, the quick and easy way, quickest and easiest way to get started with Enterprise 2.0 is to put in every page of the intranet, three boxes, one called search, one called share, and one called ask. And just let people um, broadcast, what, share what they're working on, ask their colleagues for help, and then search across all this digital content. How about outside the firewall, Andrew? Are, are you seeing more forward-thinking companies, you know, really embracing, you know, uh, you know, you know the, the outside, open, free, transparent world? Well, if they're not, uh, they're really missing out because, Larry, like you well know, there is a conversation taking place about any sizable company out there on the web in one Web 2.0 platform or another. I I can't understand why a company would not want to understand that conversation, participate in it, make sure their viewpoint is being heard. If you have enough traffic to your own 
digital platforms, to your e-commerce sites or your homepage or whatever, you can try to bring a community there and to start a conversation on your own terms as well. But there is a conversation taking place out there on the web. You had better be understanding it and analyzing it and monitoring it and participating in it uh, to the maximum extent possible. I think about really forward companies like Best Buy, which have given all of their employees the freedom to tweet and to do customer service using Twitter uh, to all of their customer base. I, I find that really interesting and really enlightened, and companies need to be comfortable opening themselves up like that. I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I have a Twitter question for you in a minute, but uh, I just wanted to, you know, keep a thread going here. One thing I've noticed, and the, the, a couple of these companies will go nameless right now, but these are big, big multinational, international companies that, uh, you know, probably in the Fortune 50. And I've been to three of them in the last few months. And here's the same quote I get from very senior management. Well, Larry, mm -hmm. we think it's about time we sort of, quote, dip our toe, unquote, <laughs> into some social media and social marketing. Now, these are companies that will spend tens of millions of dollars researching something before they even begin a project, and they want to do something as you know, silly as just dipping their toe in one of the most important you know, uh, evolutions in, in media and marketing and technology history. Your thoughts why people would think that way, Andrew? <laughs> because we're used to conducting fairly cautious corporate experiments, especially when things like our brand are concerned. And if you're a Fortune 50 company, you spent a huge amount of time and money and energy shaping your brand and trying to be a custodian of it. The really um, scary thing and the hard thing to wrap your mind around if you're one of those companies is the fact that, that in the 2.0 era, you really your ability to to shape the brand and to control the conversation and to and to guide it the way you want that ability is just so sharply reduced and the blogosphere and the Twitterverse and uh, and the whole 2.0 universe has taken over the conversation about what's about what's going on with your brand you are one voice in that conversation but your your megaphone and your soapbox have largely gone away that is a weird new world a lot of the executives you talk with they're probably not that happy about it or that comfortable with it and so their reaction is to proceed cautiously I and I hope what you're telling them is that the world has moved on and the time for toe dipping and caution is well past yeah and uh, I've actually been saying that you know it's it's not about the future anymore it's about now and <laughs> it's about right now yeah yeah hey uh, back to Twitter for a second I, I understand that uh, you were initially quite a Twitter skeptic. You touched on that a little bit earlier in the interview. But now it has become a staple in your workday. Uh, what caused the change, Andrew, and how do you see Twitter impacting the way businesses share information moving forward? The the best advice I got when enough of my colleagues finally said and said Andy you're missing out on something you need to participate in this if you are Mr. Enterprise 2.0 so I went and got my self account and I had no idea what to do with it so one of the first things I did was to send out a question to the world at large saying what is this thing and how do I understand it the best piece of advice I got back was from a colleague of mine named Stowe Boyd who said follow a hundred people 
and just watch what happens for a while and the magic will become clear to you. So I found 100 people who I respected or who I knew a little bit, subscribed to follow them on Twitter and just watch the updates that they put out there. And some of them were silly and some of them were meaningless to me, but every once in a while someone would tweet and point to something else out there on the web. They would include a link to a story that I found valuable. They would ask a question and then I'd see somebody else answer that question. And I started to see it as um, something between a news feed and a coffee shop and a reference library that started to demonstrate a huge amount of value to me. So when I started becoming a more active tweeter myself, I tried to do some combination of throwing out tidbits to the world about my own work, about other work that I found interesting or compelling with a tiny bit of editorializing, and also just selfishly asking questions and, and letting the world at large, if it had time, be helpful to me. And my biggest pleasant surprise is whenever I ask a question, I get helpful answers back, both from people I already know and from total strangers out there on the web. So it really has lowered the barriers to altruism, which is just a fundamentally heartening development. A uh, couple more quick questions before our time runs out here. Andrew, uh, put on the context of competitive advantage, are we going to be looking at enterprises now that if they don't really start to embrace these tools and to understand real-time data and all the things you're talking about, that we're going to have a lot more large brands fail more quickly than they've ever failed before, and we're going to have new brands expand rapidly and be dominant more quickly than they ever have before. So there are two broad schools of thought about the impact of technology on competition. One is that technology is a rising tide that floats all boats equally, and the, therefore it's not a good place to look for competitive differentiation because, after all, Twitter is free. You get a Twitter account, I get a Twitter account, we both use it. Uh, no net difference in our positions. The other school of thought says that uh, technology is actually a great place to go look for competitive differentiation because it's actually difficult not to acquire the technology, but to figure out how to use it to change your corporate culture and some of the mindsets that you have to take advantage of it, to successfully exploit it, to do it in a way that makes sense for your environment. This is actually difficult work, not easy. Firms are going to be successful at it. Some will, some won't. And therefore, we're going to see the competitive gaps get wider instead of narrower. The data are coming down on that latter side. And we are seeing competition heat up. We're seeing high-performing companies pull away from low-performing companies. Technology is a big part of the reason why. And I expect that all of these uh, cool, new, weird 2.0 technologies are just going to accelerate that trend. Like you said a minute ago, you talked to senior execs in huge corporations who are still dipping their toes, while other ones are actively hostile to the idea. And there are some out there who are jumping in uh, to the deep end of the pool. I expect that last category are the ones who are going to get ahead in the marketplace. Andrew, last question. Um, if you look at any data on Facebook, it looks like it's going to hit the half billion member mark by the holidays this year. Yep. That's more than if you combine the audiences of ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, all of cable, and all of the stations in the rest of the world. Where do you see this 
culminating? Where does Facebook's road go the next few years? And what will its impact be, not just on society, but on corporations? That, that's an incredibly tough question, partly because uh, in the eyes of a lot of people, Facebook seems intent on shooting itself in the foot over and over again. And they've had some privacy issues recently, and they keep on, in the eyes of some people, violating the explicit or implicit contracts they've made with their users. Despite that, like you say, this technology continues to grow like a weed, and it's got over 400 million people who are willing to put up with whatever privacy concerns because of their desire to build a network and to share and to let the world know what they're up to is so deep. So I don't know what's going to happen to Facebook itself. What I do know is that this, um, this deep desire that they have helped us understand to form networks and, and, and maintain them over time and interact with people using technology in, in these ways, that desire is not going to go away. And whether Facebook is the long-term solution for how we do that or someone else comes along that does a better job of satisfying a user's needs, this, this flavor of technology is going to be with us for, for a long time to come. Andy McAfee, Principal Research Scientist at the Center for Digital Business at MIT Sloan School of Management, author of Enterprise 2.0, uh, author of an upcoming book that we'll all be waiting for. Thank you for being with us, and thank you for the important work you're contributing to the corporate world today. Larry, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And thanks, everyone in the audience, for listening to today's conversation on Market Edge. Please visit webmasterradio.fm at 12 noon Eastern Time on Tuesdays to tune into the new podcasts of Market Edge. This is Larry Weber. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.